Hey guys, it is Tuesday, January 15th, 2019, and you're listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eslick, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. Today is the second day of the North American International Auto Show for the press. We'll talk about some of the news stories, debuts, other things that have come out of the show. Uh, weirdly enough, some websites are already publishing their best cars of the show as if the thing just wrapped up today. Uh, it's been a really weird thing. Uh, Things kind of seem like they're being rushed. I know I talked yesterday about how I thought this would be a little bit of a bigger show. Uh, turns out, not entirely the case, and that might be another uh, sign of at least this dying nature of conventions altogether, specifically with car conventions. Uh, good lord, it's a mess. Uh, but anyway, we got big news from Ford, Volkswagen. Uh, weirdly, a big story coming out from Cadillac at like the last possible minute today. Uh, what else is going on? We've got some news from Mercedes-Benz. It's kind of the jumbled... It's it's like they tipped over a basket at Walmart and a bunch of spaghetti came out, and that's what we're going to kind of sift through in aisle six as people are trying to shop for their Doritos. Uh, in case you didn't know, this podcast is made available on a wide variety of platforms for free. We like to publish it normally on Mondays or Tuesdays for a short little side story, scrap story episode, uh, and then do the main show on Friday. Uh, this week's a bit different since there is such a big news resource as the Detroit Auto Show. Uh, so all things considered, we have yesterday's episode, we have today's episode. There might be one tomorrow uh, on Wednesday. We'll see if something interesting or new ends up happening. Uh, but there will be a wrap-up show on Friday where we'll talk about some of the general elements that are that are being amassed from the show, some general thoughts about where the industry's heading as this is generally speaking, even though LA is technically kind of sort of the first show of the year, even it's in even though it's in November, uh this really is the start of the 2019 auto news show review season. So yeah. Um but you know you want to listen back on other episodes of the show about uh, North American North American International Auto Show, CES, uh, other car news stories. Uh, head on over to uh, Anchor, Anchor FM at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. Uh, you can go over to Apple, iTunes Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, so much more. Uh, basically, if you can find um, a small radio that was buried in the Nevada desert in 1947, uh, there's a good chance somehow it'll receive this podcast for free because that's just the way things work these days. Uh, so yeah, with all that in mind, guys, after the bump and maybe a little ad break, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in day two of the Detroit Auto Show. So arguably the biggest news story was the first news story of the day today in Detroit, and that is that Volkswagen and Ford have confirmed that they are creating an automobile alliance uh, to help co-develop uh, platforms, technologies, investments uh, between each company in order to weather uh, at least what they seem to think is a coming storm of competition, environmental change, market change, so on and so forth. And this is really the only way that they can both stay relatively strong. What is kind of key to point out here is that Ford has had a really rough year or two. 
Uh, car sales are absolutely in the toilet. Uh, they have announced that they're killing all of their cars in North America except for the Mustang. Uh, the Volkswagen has, you know, they're still reeling from the Dieselgate situation uh, with hundreds of millions of dollars in fines, people going to jail, so on and so forth. And what this deal really boils down to is the fact that Ford is really good at making trucks and truck platforms and having big, powerful engines to power those trucks. And Volkswagen is really good at making smaller cars, sedans, and these upcoming electric vehicles, of which Ford has none. Now, it's also interesting to note that at least here in the U.S., where the car market really sucks for Ford, in Europe, things are a little bit better. The Fiesta and the Focus are very well-liked cars. They're very well-reviewed cars. Um, they generally sell, generally sell very well in that marketplace, and yet Ford took a wallop in Europe as they ended 2018. Uh, they're really getting the heat turned up on them by, you know, the French, the Germans, the Koreans, the Japanese, so many more, and it's tough for them to keep up. It sounds like, at least in Europe, uh, outside of the UK, Ford may as well not exist in some countries, and that is a really big problem as they head into the next decade of this century. So what's going to be materializing here? Well, it sounds like, like I said, Ford is going to be giving uh, Volkswagen some access to their pickup truck platforms. So starting in 2022, the next generation Ford Ranger platform will be shared with the Volkswagen Armok, which is their midsize pickup truck that is sold in Europe, Asia, and I think Africa. In 2023, uh, big Ford vehicles like the Ford Transit um, are going to be uh, shared with Volkswagen, where I think the California is their big format wagon, um, or van, excuse me. Um, so they're going to transfer over to a Ford chassis, likely with a Ford engine, um, probably be probably be built by Ford in some capacity um, just with a big Volkswagen badge on it. So think like the Rutan from a few years ago here in the U.S. where that was just a rebadged uh, Dodge Caravan. On the flip side, uh, Volkswagen is going to provide smaller vans. Uh, so think the uh, Ford Transit size vans here in the U.S. Um, apparently it's called the Caddy is the one that they're going to be giving us. I haven't seen much on this Caddy van to know really what's going on, but it's going to be interesting because it'll be a Volkswagen platform, likely with a Volkswagen turbocharged engine. Um, so hopefully it's a relatively capable small van, um, but it's interesting that Ford is scrapping the Transit uh, because, of course, the Focus and the Fiesta aren't coming here, and those products would have been based on those chassis that would have served those vehicles. Uh, Volkswagen has also said that more than likely Ford is going to be able to license their electric platform, the MEB electric platform, of which they have invested over $15.5 billion to build new cars. And Volkswagen also announced uh, slightly before this, or this deal uh, that they will be adding thousands of jobs down in Tennessee to build electric cars for the United States in the coming future probably a safe bet to assume that some Ford branded electric vehicles powered by Volkswagen will come out of that plant. As the rest of this goes, well, we don't really know a whole lot. Uh, Ford and Volkswagen really just said, hey, we're doing this. And that really was about it. It's emotionally circling around pickup trucks and commercial options. Uh, some cars will 
be happening, but no set details specifically on what those will be in the near future. Um, the rumor, of course, has been that a full-out merger was on the table, and both Ford and Volkswagen are denying that at this point. But could you imagine a world where Porsche, Audi, Lamborghini, so many other brands share a, sa a similar stable with Ford? Uh, that would be pretty crazy. Um, I think that would be something not unlike the quote-unquote equal or merger of equals that uh, pushed Mercedes and Chrysler together at the end of the uh, 90s into the early aughts and what a mess that was uh, I think it would be equally as big a mess if that were to happen with Ford and Volkswagen on one hand you know as a longtime Volkswagen fan as a as a former Volkswagen owner uh, as a current Ford owner I'm excited by this deal because Ford's greatest success in the past decade was that having the vision to unite their brand portfolio all across the world uh, into this one Ford thing really created some interesting cars, crossovers, trucks, so on and so forth that really pushed together some really interesting technologies that I think saved the company at a time when you know the market was just an absolute mess gm and our gm and chrysler went bankrupt uh many other companies all across the world sought huge reinvestments from their uh national ownership uh things are really bleak and ford came out looking really really good especially as the fuel crisis came they had answers for every problem in the marketplace and it's really only been in the last few years where Things have just completely fallen apart. The bean counters got a hold of a lot of things. They invested too much in, in poorly planned products. They just haven't done well. And on the opposite end, you know, Volkswagen has floundered for the better part of two decades. And it really hasn't been until now when the Sword of Damocles was over their head uh, that they have started to turn at least in the area of electric cars, turn themselves around, make some interesting choices, make some bold moves uh, that really could pay off well in the very near future. So hopefully this alliance helps. Hopefully it's something, you know, akin to uh, the Nissan Renault and Alliance where both companies grow stronger independently, uh, but the overlaps, you know, when there are some are really great and it's not something that just turns into a big, huge mess. Something that slid under my radar, at least yesterday, moving into today at the Detroit Auto Show, is that Lexus pulled the wraps off a convertible LC concept. Now, if you listen back a few episodes, you heard me talk at length about how the Lexus LC was undoubtedly the best car of 2018. Uh, just to kind of recap my general thoughts on the Lexus LC, it is the one of the most stunningly beautiful pieces of automotive engineering that has come out in quite a long time, I would say. Uh, it is arguably one of the most attractive Japanese cars ever made. And uh, the Lexus LC, at least in my mind, there is nothing wrong with that car in any way, shape, or form. I don't see any way that anything bad could ever happen to that thing uh, going forward in time. It's just a beautiful automobile. Well, lo and behold, uh, the nice folks at Lexus decided to make a concept version of the LC that has the roof chopped off. Uh, more or less, they're letting people out on the street see into your beautiful luxury performance coupe, uh, get an idea of what it's like to own one of the most beautiful cars in the world, and I'm not really sure how I feel about it. 
On the one hand, you know, cars always look good as convertibles. I shouldn't say always. Most of the time they look pretty good. The LC is no different. It's a pretty damn good looking convertible. But what is interesting is that I didn't see any photos of the car with the top up. That's always the biggest challenge for a good looking convertible is that once the top goes up, it just looks stupid. Case in point, the BMW 6 Series convertibles. I always thought they looked pretty okay. You know, the, the, as much as those coupes looked kind of weird, uh, the convertible with the top down, mm, wonderful. Uh, the Mercedes SL, the current one, uh, that's been around seemingly forever, facelifted to death, uh, you know, looks pretty damn good with the top down, top up, eh, the proportions aren't quite right. This LC... I'm just going to assume it's good. I, I have my faith that the Lexus designers did a great job. What is interesting to me interesting to me is that Lexus is doing what they always do, where they roll this thing out, oh, it's a concept, we're just thinking about it, I don't know, well, maybe, well, you know, eh, ooh, who knows? I don't know why there's some Italian guy from Brooklyn who does the marketing for Lexus, but never, nevertheless, uh, they're going to make it. I don't see why they won't. Uh, the Lexus LC sells well enough. Uh, it's it's a good-looking car. I If, if it's going to add an extra $20,000 to the bottom line, there's going to be some schmuck somewhere who chooses that over the coupe, even though they might be a little bit silly in doing that. Uh, but the white color that they chose for the car was great. Uh, I love the leather interior that's in it it just it looks so good it's just perfect in every way but if it were me i'd save the cash save the weight get the coupe get the better car overall but lexus if you don't build it you're just as silly as that schmuck who's running your pr firm So a couple years ago, Mercedes pulled the wraps off the CLA, uh, their entry into the entry-level market of luxury automobiles, you know, a range that had been dominated previously by cars like the Acura TL, or excuse me, TSX, uh, the Audi A3, uh, the Cadillac Cimarron, you know, all those other high-quality, cheap, affordable luxury vehicles. And uh, this uh, CLA that had entered the market a few short years ago, you know, it, it was really well-regarded for being a well-styled vehicle. It seems like it drove okay, particularly in AMG guys which is a whole separate monster of sorts but the cla you know it sold okay uh, a lot of leases on it and apparently not the greatest build quality ever on these cars well mercedes wants to put that car behind them They've got an all-new A-Class over in Europe, which means we get an all-new CLA uh, coupe sedan here in the U.S. Now, the 2020 CLA got shown off at CES this uh, past week. This week in Detroit, they've announced official pricing. So the uh, base model A220, CLA220, will start at $33,495. That isn't exactly a price to balk at, as it seems to be a really well-styled luxury sedan uh for the money uh but when you start looking into what things it doesn't have compared to cars like the acura ilx which starts at just under twenty seven thousand dollars you begin to realize that you know hey six thousand dollars is a lot of money and uh if you're not spending it quite right you know mm, not sure if it's a great deal 
what is interesting about the A-Class, and Autoblog's got a little write-up about this, about how they've already got a uh, pre-production test car thing uh, rolling over at their offices in Los Angeles, is that equipped as it was, was over $50,000 for a small car. And that's just crazy. I understand that they want to chase after the S-Class when it comes to style, uh, interior refinement, quality, uh, technology, so on and so forth. And I really do like the A-Class on the whole. Uh, that price tag really knocks it back down a couple notches. Really, the entry-level luxury market is kind of a crazy idea at this point. And it's been a running thing in my head where I go, why would anybody spend that kind of money on a cheap luxury car that's going to be worth, you know, a third the price in just three or four years. Uh, it's never really made a lot of sense to me, especially when you can get, you know, really well-appointed normal, quote-unquote, cars uh, for relatively cheap amounts of money. Um, like I said, the ILX, 27 grand, it's a dressed-up Honda Civic. But you can still get a Honda Civic dressed up appropriately with a better chassis uh, that's going to do you know, pretty similar things for the money. I don't know. I'm not an automotive planning guy, clearly. Uh, but hey, you know, at least we got the new A-Class. Uh, when everything's a crossover, when everything's an SUV, uh, it's a miracle that we even got the car in the first place. It sounds like, at least in Europe, it's a pretty good car. It sounds like here in the U.S., it's a pretty good car. So I guess pretty good in Mercedes terms, as long as it's got that uh, silver arrow logo uh, up on the hood good enough I guess huh so as I mentioned at the top of the show a weird late breaking story from Cadillac referring to the CT6 apparently Mark Russ the current president of GM everybody's moving around inside this thing not Mary, Mary Barra uh, Mark Russ, I believe, was the guy who said it, uh, according to GM authority, is that the CT6 will live on past this summer when everybody expected the car to go away. What that means is that although the Detroit Hamtramck plant is closing down where the car is currently assembled, uh, Cadillac is looking for a plant somewhere in the U.S. that will have the capacity uh, to build the car for sale here. I consider that a pretty big surprise. I mean, after all, the CT6 got a lot of really positive reviews. And, you know, as much as people like me and many others have hammered on it for the interior quality not quite being up to snuff, uh, the fundamentals are really there. It's a solid chassis with great powertrains. That new twin-turbo V8 is about to debut in the CT6V. Uh, really, it's an exciting time for that particular model. And with it only having been around for a year or two, you know, it never really got its time to shine. So moving this plant or this car production line to another plant in the U.S. is awesome. I'm really excited for that to be a possibility. Where it's going to end up, I think, is going to be the most interesting thing. My bet would be that it ends up at the, uh, not Lordstown Assembly in Ohio, but the uh, plant in Lansing, of which name I am totally blanking out on, uh, but it's on the... Uh, 
southeast-ish side of town. It's where they build the uh, current Cadillac CTS. It's where they were building the ATS. I believe the Camaro even comes off that assembly line as well. Uh, I can totally see the sign of the town, and I can't remember the name. That's where my brain's at. I have a debilitating memory loss syndrome that is forming. Please send me to a doctor at some point to get this checked out. Uh, nevertheless uh this cadillac uh it's a great car I, I i just i don't see a reason why it wouldn't move to this plant i think it kind of sows the seeds for the idea that the omega platform is the replacement for the alpha platform in some sense uh because the new ct what are they calling it five four i don't know it's the the cts replacement uh will likely be based on that chassis cool uh, the thing that they asked, I guess, according to uh, this article, is that they did ask if production would move to China if they couldn't find a suitable uh, plant here in the U.S. And it sounds like that option is on the table, but that Cadillac would prefer that not to happen. Uh, to me, that means it's a wait and see if the tariffs don't happen or things get turned around on that front. Uh, because, you know, the Buick, uh, what do you call it, the Buick... Uh, is it not the Encore? It's not the Enclave. It's the Excelsior. I don't know, remember. It's the little middle one that starts with an E. Again, memory problems. Wow, today is not my day. Uh, that Buick is assembled in China. I believe it got an exemption from the tariffs. Uh, it's a pretty well-built crossover. I always have come away relatively impressed having seen it in person, sat in it, uh, touched as many surfaces as possible. I think Chinese build quality is up to snuff. It's just the perception from people who would normally be buying Cadillacs uh, that they would go, you know, this is supposed to be the cream of the crop American car. Why is this built in China? Well, you know, that's markets. That's scale of profitability. This is what you wanted you dumb motherfucker like I don't, I don't know what other way to say this but uh you know it's the way the world turns it's the way markets work uh so i wouldn't be upset if the ct6 moved its production to china i think it would be you know not great but at the same time i understand so my bet right now it moves to lansing michigan to get assembled uh but we will see gm's got a lot on their plate uh but Good news that the CTX is still, or excuse me, not the CTX, wow, the CT6 uh, will still be around for a little while longer. So last little bit of thing that we're going to talk about here, at least on day two of the Detroit Auto Show, and that's the, again, the dead horse. This is the deadest of dead horses at this point. It's the 2020 Toyota Supra. Jalopnik has a pretty interesting article up on their website that got posted earlier today talking about uh, where development on the Toyota Supra and the BMW Z4 really started to separate uh, between the two companies. The general gist of the article is that Toyota wanted to work with BMW to make this rear-wheel drive platform uh, mainly because they're the only company in the world right now, or at least at that point in time, that had been producing a powerful somewhat reliable straight six that could fit into their car and live up to the 2JZ legend, uh, at least in their eyes. Uh, so the chassis were developed uh, at the same time. Uh, Toyota ended up starting to veer a little bit to the left, making their car a little bit more sporty, a little bit more balanced. Uh, 
BMW, on the other hand, the Z4 turned a little bit to the right, became a little more point-and-shooty, a little more GT-styled in its overall performance uh, capabilities. Nevertheless, uh, the Z4, you know, it really is a great car, but I think the success of the Supra is that it seems like a true sports car. Uh, it really comes off as a really... Well, at least relatively well thought out vehicle. And it's interesting hearing these perspectives of the engineers talking about the car where, you know, they say that they set out to build a sports car first and foremost. It's not meant to be this, you know, car that's going to take on the Porsche 911 and destroy the Corvette and so much more. It's going to be a sports car for you to enjoy. And they said that they benchmark uh, the Cayman and the Boxster, uh, specifically the 718 Cayman and Boxster, the more recent models, uh, because they are so well balanced, so capable in the hands of talented drivers, but at the same time, so enjoyable for folks who just are driving enthusiasts. Uh, this Supra, you know, they, they talked about that golden ratio between the uh, wheelbase and the width of the tires that you're going to have the most controllable, capable, balanced performance car out there. And I really do feel like I believe Toyota. Like I said yesterday, uh, Gazoo uh, did all the tuning on the car. Uh, they are a very well done performance engineering team. I think this car is going to have the chops in the handling department to get the accolades that it deserves. Where I think things start coming up short are questions about where it's built, how different the engine's going to be from that of BMW, so on and so forth, and really the buildup of almost a decade of expectations uh, that never really are going to be delivered on uh, for this car. So what am I talking about with build quality? Well, Toyota has said a lot where they're being more conservative in their approach to how the car is being executed in certain ways. Uh, they have taken this BMW power plant that was, uh, that they have licensed from BMW and they said that they have performed the tuning on the engine that is to their specification. Uh, as I said yesterday, 335 horsepower, 365 pound feet of torque mated to the ZF, uh, eight speed automatic, uh, in theory, that transmission should be relatively bulletproof. Uh, but this engine hasn't exactly been the most reliable unit from BMW. They've had lots of problems in the three series, the four series, uh, the five series, so on and so forth. Uh, it's just not the best unit and, you know, maybe this Toyota tuning is going to make it a little more reliable in the long term. It's 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 just so hard to know because Toyota can't exactly say, well, we did this because BMW, we thought BMW approached this the wrong way. That's not the way to handle a partnership on this platform going forward and buying these engines uh, because BMW could just end up saying, yo, fuck you. This is our motor, not yours. Uh, but who really knows? The other big red flag I have when it comes to at least manufacturing and quality on this car is that Magnastair, uh, which is a company based in Austria that builds cars for Audi and Porsche and many other brands, uh, they're going to be producing this Toyota. Uh, I at least was under the impression that the Supra would be assembled in Japan, not in Europe, uh, and that is not the case. Uh, when you start to see photos and videos of the interior of the car, you really get an idea of how much BMW is there because this car has an iDrive unit. Uh, it is not using the Entune system from the current Toyotas, and uh, that kind of has me a little spooked, to say the least. Uh, you know, Toyota build quality is 
known for being among the best in the world because they source their parts carefully. They test all their parts for high wear, for, you know, engineering these solutions to problems that, you know, maybe we as consumers would experience over time but not think about ahead of time. Whereas BMW, you know, they want to have the best of the best i don't i don't really know what time kind of target bmw goes for they don't quite search for that standard of the world type stuff that toyota and mercedes and a couple other brands tend to do and again you know it's made in austria not the worst thing uh but with all of those german sourced parts not being controlled by the japanese not having that japanese uh attention to quality and refinement it's where I start to get a little uncomfortable. So we'll kind of see how that pans out. And you know, the hard part, the worst part about it is it's going to be years down the line after the first cars roll out that we're going to find out what kind of problems these things are going to have long term. Uh, The other big thing I think is just really the history of great expectations with this car. Um, I believe the first concept was in 2011 or 2012. Uh, This car has been kicking around uh, in prototypes, uh, in video games, in so many different aspects of automotive history in this past near enough decade that I I get why the internet is so upset about this car, why people are so judgy about the appearance of the car, why so many people like myself aren't exactly confident in every aspect of this vehicle in the way that if this was done completely in-house by Toyota, this would have been a technical achievement unlike anything else in recent memory. I think with exception to perhaps the... uh, the uh, Nissan GTR, this would have been the crowning achievement of Japan in the 21st century. So it's, it's a weird place that we're at on the internet. You know, people are not happy about the fake scoops that are on the sides and on the hood and on the doors and so much else. People are not entirely happy about the automatic only option. People are confused about what the deal is with the four cylinder option, which we still aren't getting a straightforward answer about. Uh, what I mean about that specifically, and sorry to get off the expectations train for a moment, uh, it sounds like the initial first year vehicles of the Supra will for sure have that three liter straight six with the turbo. Um, they'll have the two separate trim levels and then the launch edition, uh, that'll come out around that same amount of time. Uh, but then it sounds like a two liter turbocharged model is on the horizon for the U S but they're not confirming if that engine is a BMW one or a Toyota one or something else or where it's coming from. So I, I I guess I just don't understand what exactly the plan is going forward with that here in the U.S. If the four-cylinder option is a thing and it's on the table and it bumps that price down by ten grand, uh, I yeah i i guess is a forty thousand dollar supra a little more acceptable um we know that that four-cylinder platform from bmw is very capable of being tuned up into being something pretty impressive and with the problems that the straight six has had is the four-cylinder the better option to get i don't know yeah anyway expectations are super high i think toyota being kind of wishy-washy on what their goals are what their expectations are uh where their inspirations come from i think they're trying to moderate as best they can you know if they came out and said we're going to beat the gtr we're going to beat the nsx uh people would be pretty disappointed at this point if they came out and said that they were going to beat the 911 carrera the porsche 
you know, Cayman, uh, the BMW Z4, uh, the base Chevy Corvette, you know, I think people would have been like, yo, you're not shooting high enough. But I think what really a lot of people forget is that as much as the old Supra was a capable car, and it was a relatively quick car, it was never that much faster than a baseline Corvette or a Corvette uh, ZR1. It wasn't really any faster than a standard Carrera S. Uh, it could maybe knock panels with a Porsche 911, but that was a different time in the late 90s. And, you know, assuming that the Supra is going to go out there and wipe the floor with these cars, I think is just crazy. So I think with expectations withheld a bit, with how much I like the design of the car, with how much, you know, I think I admire the engineering of the car. I go, I really like it. I think it's a great effort. I think it's going to be a great car. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to drive. Um, but there's really no way of knowing. And the likelihood of me driving one of these in the next year are slim to none. So we're going to do what we can. But anyway, I hope to cease beating this horse on the Supra. Uh, really, the only way I'm going to end up talking about this anytime soon is when the reviews come out and whether or not we hear something about the four-cylinder turbo. So... That is it. That is the last of the Super News. I've talked about it for almost ten and a half minutes. I'm so sorry. But that, of course, pretty much wraps up day two of the Detroit Auto Show. Woo. Well, guys, holy cow. This just about wraps up the day two coverage of the Detroit Auto Show, the North American International Auto Show for 2019. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Brad Ezelike, and you can follow me on Twitter at YSSMAN, where sometimes I talk about car news, sometimes I talk about internet bullshit, sometimes it's politics, who knows? I can be a cool person sometimes. Uh, if you want to follow along to episodes of the show, I recommend that you check us out, the Salvage Title Podcast, at the Apple iTunes Store, Spotify, Google Play Podcast, Stitcher, and so much more. We post these uh, episodes for free. I like to talk to you for free in my cell phone, in my iPad, so much more. Uh, it's a great time to be alive when podcasts are free and words fly all over the place. Uh, there's a point I was going to make, and I'm just too tired to do it. Um, we do multiple episodes of the show week. We do the uh, short stories up at the beginning. We do the long episode at the end. Sometimes I get mad about something during the middle, and maybe I, I say some words at some point. I'm falling asleep as I make this podcast. Wow. Anyway, guys, uh, if there's any breaking news for day three, I'm not sure what it'll be at this point. I assume that Chevy and many other brands would have something to say at this auto show, uh, but that just has not been the case. I, th I, I would have to say to some extent that this has been a disappointing Detroit auto show. Huh, you'd figure, you know, it being the last winner when they do something fun, but hey, my guess was as good as yours. Uh, so anyway, uh, barring any unforeseen expectations, we might have a short episode tomorrow. If not big recap episode on Friday, episode on Friday. I feel like I just said this at the top of the show. Sorry. That was hours ago at this point. That's the way this thing's working. If you guys have some thoughts about what's going on, feel free to drop me a line here on Anchor at anchor.fm slash Y-S-S-M-A-N. We can put them, put them in the show where I can just answer your questions. That's always a good thing, too. Anyway, guys, uh, perhaps I'll see you tomorrow. If not, I will for sure see you Friday for the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. Have a great night, and don't forget, when road conditions are icy, 
brake early and drive more slowly. It'll save your life. No one took that advice here in Grand Rapids today, and we had some pretty wild accidents. So just be cool these next couple of days, kids. And again, we'll see you on the next episode. Uh, 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 Good night.